Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. And I'm Avrin, and I am the crime. And this is Rom Crime. This is our true crime. True crime. True crime. <laughs> One more time. Back it up. This is a Rom Crime, our true crime comedy podcast where we discuss true crime that has romantic bunny rabbits. Ooh. No, romantic bunnies? Romantic bunnies. Yeah, romantic bunnies. I like it. You'll find out what Hippity that means. Hippity hop. <laughs> I know they just come they they hop in and then have a bunch of babies in there everywhere I'm kidding no babies in this one anyway <laughs> <Thank> goodness <laughs> romantic overtones romantic, basically. yeah yeah crimes that are born from romance if you will sure right yeah yeah, yeah. or whatever the hell we want it to be <laughs> <laughs> um guys this is our first episode in the new decade That's 2020 right. in the in roaring the 20s oh my gosh right I'm going to start dressing like a flapper girl. Ooh, and I'm going to start making hooch in yes, my bathroom. Moonshine it That's up. That's right. I'll be like, I've, I'm also a mom of two children. I'll be like, kids, get out of the damn bathroom. Mommy's <laughs> making her gin. I'm going to drink it. The bathtub gin. Yeah. Always delightful. Oh, you know, I will say I am like, maybe it's, I, we talk about being basic a little bit, but I am just, I'm a human. God damn it. <laughs> I am all on the train of the resolutions where I'm like, okay. Starting on Friday, I'm not drinking but a whole 30 days and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Same here. So that's why my, I'm having a giant glass of wine right now. That's because right. starting tomorrow, I'm going to also try to be good. You I know, support you. For the next 30 days. I think that's great. I think I need it. I went home, uh, hometown. Mm-hmm. I went to my hometown where my parents and family live and uh, had a great time. Love everybody. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, No, we had so much fun, but I seriously ate like a maniac and I'm not kidding you. I honestly think I gained 15 to 20 pounds. Is that possible in like 10 days, 12 days? it's not really possible, but fluid retention is a real thing and I feel like I'm retaining 30 pounds of fluid. Yeah. So that's why I'm (laughs) going to drink for 30 days. 2020, everybody. Yeah. It's a new decade. It's a new year. Yeah. It is not a new rom crime. It is the same rom crime from 2019. Yeah, yeah, still season one. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're stoked. This this one is one that I'm surprised that I hadn't heard about. Do you know how I how I found this one? How did you find it? So I was uh, the nice thing about being sort of like having days off and so you know during the holidays is that you just kind of let yourself watch whatever the hell you want. Like you've watched all the things. So I was on YouTube. I'm like, what could I find to watch? Right. And, you know, I was fed like some Vanity Fair. I think it's called Career Career and Timeline or something. And it's all these 
women older uh, actresses who talk about their timeline and one of them was Jamie Lee Curtis oh and she talked about doing a made for TV movie called The Death of a Centerfold yeah yeah the Dorothy Stratton story or something like that and so I was like who the hell is Dorothy Stratton right so I looked it up and And it is a perfect rom-com wow you guys this is like and maybe you guys maybe out there people know about it but I had no idea yeah but this was like like Hollywood scandal yes this was intense tabloids I mean yeah it did happen in 1980 Mm -hmm. so I wasn't born yet which might be why I hadn't heard of it but anybody who was alive mm. in that time period and old enough to read the tabloids right. would have known about this. Right, exactly. And it is such a sad story. It really is. I hate the stories of like such a promising Person. life yeah. cut short yeah. by some schmuck yeah. who whose ego is just too easily bruised. I know, it's true. It's true. It's like, uh, you know, I, I was looking at a meme, one of the memes, like true crime memes. It's like, if you're ever uh, characterized as walking in and lighting up a room... You've been murdered. Yeah, you'll be murdered. <laughs> I was like... If people yeah. describe you as somebody who lights up the room when they yeah. walk in, yeah. you'll be murdered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do always kind of describe people that way. Right. But that's because I think so often when reflecting on the life of someone, especially yeah. a young person in a, a situation like this, like... Absolutely. This girl was literally a light. Yeah. We will put pictures. Oh my gosh, my you guys, Lord. I can't wait. For sure. So Dorothy Stratton um, was a... Well, she was the Playboy Playmate of the Year in 1980. In 1980. Yeah. So just to give you an idea, she was a good-looking gal. Oh, my God, she was. Um, she was born in 1960, so she was 20 years old when that mm-hmm. happened in Vancouver. Uh, or right a, I yeah. think it was Vancouver, British Columbia. It was. And, and uh, she was born to two uh, Dutch immigrants. Mm-hmm. And they were, apparently they were like escaping the World War II. Okay. And her parents. Yeah, her parents. And they came over and had her. And then like basically within a year had her brother. Right. And then her dad split. Yeah. Her dad was, this is crazy. Okay. So I, I, you know, Vanya, this is Vanya. Hi, everybody. (laughs) I love the beginnings. I like, I want to know why people are who, why they are. And, you know, it's kind of, because I, you know, both Avrin and I are actors, um, and so it's like you if you kind of understand their motivations and how they operated in life anyways. So her parents, her dad, his guy, his name was Simon, mom's name was Nellie, and their last Great name names. was uh Stratton. So Dorothy was born not Dorothy Stratton, she was born Dorothy Ruth Hoogstratton. Hoogstratton. Hoogstratton in 1960 to her parents, Nellie and Simon. And I guess, you know, at, it was uh, one of the research um, things I was looking at. It was like they really were hot for each other, but as soon as they had kids, it like fucked up their relationship. Yeah. Which I understand that. I mean, <laughs> we're still together, but it definitely, you know, my husband and I were together for 10 years before we had kids. And listen, wh- however it happens for you, it's great. You know, some people are like, wait longer, it's great. And people are like, if you don't have your babies early, you're going to be a very elderly mom and I'm like thanks that's wonderful and I'm not even that old but I'm like people are such assholes but keep your opinions to yourself I'm kidding just DM us I'm fine with it but anyways so so as soon as they have the babies their whole marriage just kind of blows up He he says he like doesn't want the kids yeah he basically he he says you need to go visit your your family in in uh Netherlands Mm -hmm. so she goes back 
And I guess his in-laws contact her and they're like, you should give your babies up for adoption or, you know, put them in an orphanage. Right, because he's not interested in being a dad. not interested in being a dad. And can you imagine? What a pussy. Has his parents make that call? Also, my, if my, if that happened, my parents would be like, give me the kids. Like, are you kidding me? But actually she was, um... I guess Nellie Hoogstratton was our orphan. So she was like, hell no, I'm going to take care of the kids. So she flies back to Canada Mm -hmm. and goes to the house where they left. And it's that asshole, Simon, Mm -hmm. rented out the fucking house to another family. So she had no place to go. And she was like, they were, you know, so they were super, super poor growing up. Like she was, you know, she worked as a cleaning lady and did anything she could to make it. Right, her meet. mom was constantly working, which then kind of put the burden, not the burden, but the role of kind of caretaker at home and second mom yeah. to her siblings. She yeah. had two younger siblings. Right. She had a brother and a sister. And the sister was a different guy, right? Yes. I, I believe, yeah. Not the same dad, but the same dad. still single mom household, yeah. two younger siblings, uh, she kind of raised them while her mom was working. Right. And then as soon as Dorothy was old enough, she got a job so that she could right. contribute to the household. And it was, yeah, it was a struggle. I, yeah, I remember uh, the youngest daughter was Louise. Louise? Yeah. Louise, yeah. Louise. Thank you. I always, there's a there's a book I read to my kids and it's, I think it's a Louis, but oh. it's a man. And I'm always like, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm saying this wrong. I'm sure I'm saying this wrong. Anyways, Louise yes. was born in 1968. So she's like... I always think of sing out Louise. Oh, that'll help me. Yeah. Thank you. I'm good with any of that. Um, so, but she talked about how, you know, her, that, that Dorothy was the person who showed up at all her school events. Right. Was there for every, it was basically taught her how to like teach her, her mom or taught her, her shoes. To, yeah. yeah. So, so she was very involved in a, in a very like wonderfully helpful daughter and big sister. Yeah. And um, her part-time job was working at the Dairy Queen. Right. In Vancouver. Yep. I think it was the east end of Vancouver. Yeah, like Hastings, you yeah. know. It, uh, back then especially, was like kind of a roughish area. Right, that's I mean, what I like remember reading. coming still, but like... It was, even, a, it was kind of a rough neighborhood. It was definitely... when I lived in Vancouver, it was still a little... Bit of a rough neighborhood. Well, you know, it. I just remember that area, you would drive by and just see hookers and people doing heroin on the streets, which oh. was surprising to me because I had never seen that in the States. Right. Where I came from, right? You know, but it, yeah, yeah. And I think I think maybe it still happens up there like that, but All right. it's a lot more shiny. It's like you know the rich next to the, you know, it's getting gentrified. Yes, you might say, yes, it's a little well. Sad, so yeah, she worked at the Dairy Queen, which is where she meets yeah. Paul Snyder. That's right. So she's seventeen years old at the time. Yeah, Paul she started Snyder, working out when she was fourteen. As soon as she could get a job, yeah. she had a job. I get That's it. like how helpful she was. Yeah. It wasn't for her spending money. It was for right. rent. <laughs> um, so she's working at the Dairy Queen. She's behind the counter serving up, you know, dilly bars and I those amazing, Queen. like, hard shell covered cones. Oh, yeah. Is that what a dilly bar is? No, a dilly still- bar is round. Oh, I know my Dairy Queen. Because um, they don't have them over here unless you... I don't there, know about here, but... Let me know because I will go to it. I will find it. I love Dairy Queen I so love much. Dairy Queen because I that was I just my get like a plain gym. cone. It's my I favorite. like a blizzard. I love a blizzard too, but the pl- the the whatever official or artificial like flavoring they put in right. that vanilla ice cream I'm just like obsessed yeah with. or you get the swirl oh, where yeah. they do like half anyway she's working behind the counter you guys know what we're talking you about you know dilly bars you go to Dairy Queen Dilly DQ. bars and douche bags coming in off the street yep 
So Paul Snyder would be the D-bag I'm talking about there. And um, at the time, uh, that 17-year-old Dorothy Stratton was working behind the counter, 26-year-old Paul Snyder, who was also from the East End area. Am I saying the right neighborhood? Uh, You know, uh, East Hastings. East Hastings area in Vancouver, British Columbia. So Paul is known, basically, for being a pimp. Yeah, he's a pimp. A straight up pimp. He dresses he dresses the part. Like apparently he like wore he wore like a mink coat and He liked to wear the floor length fur coats. Yeah. He had a big chain with like a, a gold chain with an all diamond star of David. Yeah. And he would wear like the button down silk shirts that right. he mostly had unbuttoned. Right, and he always drove like a He drove nice like flashy car. cars yeah. and he went into the Dairy Queen, he sees Dorothy, and he leans over to his friend and he says, That girl could make me a lot of money. So now you're thinking, pimp. We're all yeah. thinking the same thing. Yeah. So he's going to pimp out this poor young girl. Yeah, and she was, Dorothy was like known to be, um, she was a little bit taller. She was slender. She had blonde hair. She was very, um, I mean, honestly, she was absolutely stunning. She was stunning, but she didn't know that yeah. because she had always grown up feeling really gawky, taller than everybody else. Her little sister in many of the documentaries said that she was really self-conscious because people always used to make fun of her. Like, she had big lips. God, how horrible. I mean, give them to me. Seriously. Um, But, you know, she was, you know, she was just kind of gawky and felt, didn't feel like she was beautiful. So even once she, like, kind of grew into herself, she still was pretty... um, I don't know. She didn't have a lot of confidence. Yeah, she had low self-esteem. And so... This older, and I mean older, 26, she's 17, guy comes in, starts telling her how gorgeous she is, just treats her like she is, you know, the beautiful woman that she is, takes her to her senior prom, buys her the dress that she wears, gets her this beautiful white dress, gets her a limo to take her to the prom, treats her like a grown-up. When she goes to his house, he cooks dinner, and they drink wine, and he plays music for her on the guitar. So when you hear all of that, you're like, duh, she fell for him. Yeah, But when you see pictures of him and you know who he was, because he was known around town as a pimp. It wasn't a secret. I mean, he was legitimately a pimp. Like he pimped women out. For a living. Like hookers. That's what he did. Yeah. He found young women and he got them to be sex workers and then he took their money. Right. So let's let's go back to his uh, beginnings. Yeah, you, Vanya, tell us about the beginnings. I mean, I don't know that much, but I do know when he was young, he was like abandoned, very young, orphaned. And he um, he was a tinier man, a tinier child, and got made fun of a lot for being small. And I think he he quit school at se- in seventh grade and went to go become like a bodybuilder, or like he beefed up and yeah, he basically dropped out of school yeah. in seventh grade and then spent all of his time and energy focusing on getting bigger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he you know I feel like that tells you everything. You and need I, to know. They, you know, they were, it was said that he was like. Uh, you know, had little man syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. And he, you know, being abandoned when you're young and not having, oh, and being very, very poor, this was his, like, determination in life. He was going to rise up. In and the he ranks. was going to be someone. Yeah, he was going to be someone. Yeah. They so, called him the, they called him the Jewish pimp. Because Jewish he was, pimp. because he wore, like, all the, Oh, that's right. You know, the I 70s did, did. disco-y stuff, which right. made me laugh. I think that's funny. It's not funny because he was an asshole, but, um, right. But basically, but yeah, he was very flashy and but he you, was I bet very, you he wore heels. You I know? bet you he totally had yeah. lifts in his shoes or yeah. like the platform shoes of the time. Mm-hmm. Great time for fashion. 
I mean, I love it. It really <laughs> is. That like late 70s into the yeah. early uh, 80s. Yeah. Woo, it's fun. It's, uh, it's all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. So basically, after they've been dating for a little while, he keeps telling her, you know, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. Like, I want to take photos of you and um, send them to Playboy. Right. And so at the time, this is all kind of happening. It's about to be the 25th anniversary of Playboy magazine. Correct. And so that year... Hugh Hefner and Playboy does this huge nationwide search right. in search of the 25th anniversary Playmate. And they go to, you know, all the states or whatever. Right, it's in every newspaper. And at this point, she's she's graduated high school. So he's, right. so Paul Snyder takes Dorothy Stratton, or at this part, point, Dorothy Hoog Stratton, mm-hmm. to her prom. I mean, just crazy. Just can you imagine? No. Anyways, so then she graduates and she starts, instead of going straight into college, she starts working as like a administrative assistant. Like an edit, just a, she gets like a, an Anywhere. office job. Yeah, an office job. And he's like, do you know that you could make three times the amount uh, in one year working, you know. If you if you were to win yeah. the 25th anniversary Playgirl or Playboy Playmate uh-huh. competition, you would make three times in just that one moment than you would make in three years or something. And I of guess work. that's that's how he convinced her because yeah. she was very shy, like we said, not a lot yeah. of self esteem. But he had a couple of contacts because apparently this is not the first time that he had attempted to like find a girl and try to make her a play a playmate. Yeah. He was really obsessed with the whole like Hugh Hefner of it all. I think that explains a lot about how he like presented himself as like this right. big shot pimp type guy. And even though I know Hugh Hefner would die. Right. Roll is rolling in his grave if anyone ever described him as a pimp. He was still a pusher. Which he, could, but. <laughs> he was a pusher of the selling of a woman's body. Yeah. Just oh, in sure. a maybe not a actual on the street kind of way. Or, you know, in Hugh Hefner's mind, maybe it was all perfectly fine, but maybe in reality it wasn't. But that's yeah, a and that's a know. whole that's a totally different episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he really loved Hugh Hefner and everything that he was and everything that he had. And so he really wanted to wanted to discover someone yeah. there's a finder's fee for that stuff right so um he really saw something in dorothy and that is one thing they will say about paul is even though he's like a total obvious schmuck he's the kind of guy that if you know better and i'm not saying this to insult dorothy but she was a small town girl who hadn't been exposed right. to a, a lot but if you knew better you knew that he was embarrassing himself and he was embarrassing yeah. you and everybody else was just putting up with him because he was there with you, but she didn't know that she couldn't see that. And the mom, uh, Louise, Louise Mm -hmm. said that, uh, when she brought, when Dorothy brought Paul home, the mom was like, had a big bullshit, bullshit major and Mm -hmm. was like this. I do not like this guy. And honestly, nobody Nobody liked him. Like absolutely no one liked this guy. Yeah. It's kind of wild when you put, when you, you know, we'll go through the, all of the story, but there is not ever a moment where somebody's like, yeah, Paul, deep down, he's a good person, and I totally mm-hmm. see why you're with him. It was always the, what are you doing? Well, it sounded, uh, what I thought was interesting, because something that I just learned about this year is the idea of grooming, grooming mm-hmm. a, a, a predator, someone who's a predator, grooming your victim or whatever, right? Yeah. So he would um, basically, he would like, Find her insecurities. And exploit them. And exploit them. Play to them. You're gorgeous, this and that. But also, you know, like, so she was on his side. And then in the end, well, not in the end, but she kind of always... Stood up for him. Yeah, and believed that 
he was the reason she was right. He completely manipulated manipulated her. her into believing that everything good that happened to her was because of him and never would have happened if it wasn't for him. And while certainly certain aspects of that are probably true, because I don't think that she would have taken nude photos and submitted them to Playboy on her own. You know, the fact that she was successful was all because of her, not because of him. He just put her in the room. She did everything Mm -hmm. else. So, but she never really believed that. She always thought she would be nothing without, she would have been nothing without him and that she really owed him and that they had this, I believe they called it a life bargain or like like a pact that they were going to, it was them. It was always going to have to be the two of them. And he fervently hung on to that. Mm. So they submit the photos. She is selected. She gets flown to LA. Paul does not come. Yeah. But she flies out to LA for like the test shoot there. Right. Everybody is really impressed because she's super green, but she takes direction really well. She's absolutely stunning. And she's kind of a natural in front of the mm-hmm. camera. And she it makes it all the way into the top 16 finalists right. of the search for the Playmate of the Year for the 25th anniversary. And anniversary, she's <laughs> Evren. Um, and it's kind of a big deal because she kind of came out of nowhere and I'm pretty sure in some of the documentaries that I watched they talk about basically it was her or the girl that won it was coming down to the two of them and the reason that they went with the other girl right was literally like age and experience because she had never done any modeling before right she was 18 years old she was not an American citizen she'd literally just gotten there and so instead of making her the winner of that competition, they automatically, like when she loses, she is basically given the gift of we're going to, but we'll make you the 1979 August playmate of the month. Right. Right. So that's what she gets from that. And then in the meantime, before it's going to be August and all that jazz, they get her a job working as a bunny in the century city club the yeah. playboy club which is where yeah. you know you had all the girls in the right. bunny outfits serving drinks and stuff like that and that was actually a very cushy good job and it, they say that the only reason yeah, that she's they, a door girl yeah she was like the first person you saw when you yeah. walked up and they say one because she was too young to serve alcohol so she couldn't be a cocktail waitress right, right, right. but also they say that hugh hefner went out of his way to get her a work visa mm-hmm. and hooked her up with a job because he really saw potential right. in her and wanted to again probably groom her a bit before it was time to totally well and i mean i thought this was interesting um because you know i've always i like always knew what playboy was of course and i actually have a couple vintage ones because i think they're they're cool cool and pretty however after like sort of researching about this whole magazine and it's sort of like he he what he what hugh did is he took something sexy Mm -hmm. and made it sort of almost asexual so that's like kind of how he, that's how they became like, not like the Hustler magazine or whatever. Right, or like, Penthouse. Or Penthouse, exactly. They they had, of course, like the joke is that, you know, everyone reads it, you know, looks at Playboy for their for articles, the articles, which is not true. But like, you know, it's airbrushed. It's, it's oddly feels safe, you know, right. when you're looking at it. And he was always apparently looking to get into the movie industry right. and things like that. And he really saw... In her, and I think every time they picked a playmate or play, they wanted to th- them to exude these like, you know, movie star qualities. Movie well, star, but like also like a, you know, sexy but virginal, virginal, like, innocent girl next door. Yes. That whole concept, I think, actually, of the girl next door was a, kind of created by 
playboy. And I think another thing that's interesting when you talk about his obsession with the movie industry. So Marilyn Monroe was on the cover of Playboy magazine in 1953. And it kind of like blew up. And it's what made Playboy, I think, what it was. I'm sure. When those photos of her from before her famous days. Yeah. Became, you know, we're on the cover and inside this magazine. Mm-hmm. And I think he was constantly in search of that next moment where he was going to present sure. the world with like the next big star because he had tried to make several of the other girls um, movie stars and right. it never worked. Either they were no good or they ended up getting cast in like weird stuff yeah. or B movies and then just kind of fading away. Right. But he really saw something in her. And what's kind of crazy to me that I found most interesting, so we both live in Los Angeles, right? We're yes. both actors. Hi, we everybody. Both, hello. Hi, LA. Um, <laughs> we, but we're both actors. We've both, you know, like experienced the world of auditioning, the world of like complete right. and utter rejection. And yeah. what's kind of miraculous about the Dorothy Stratton story is this is a young girl with no experience who is absolutely stunning, but as we all know, like one of a million stunning girls exactly. that comes to LA every year to make it as a model or a movie star or a television star and other and and instead of being like eaten up by the hollywood machine they just like coddled her and treated her like precious gold and her rise is i've never Mm. read anything like this i know so you should listen to her voice yeah she's like got this like you know, she's really, she is what he's looking for exactly. She's not playing at it, you know? Right. She's definitely She's innocent. It. Innocent, yeah. And um, and inexperienced, yeah. but also curious. And yeah. so willing. And, you know, they always talked about how she took direction really well, which I think, I think that says something, you know, about somebody who's not really sure who they are. So they're willing to be like, you tell me what you want me to do and be, and I can right. do it. Right, And she was good at it. But this is a girl who, in 1979, sent picture, her boyfriend, slash manager or whatever, sent pictures in the mail. Those pictures were selected. She makes it in the top 16. She's the August 1979 um, Playmate of the Month. She then um, is moved into, you know, like working at the Bunny Club, living in the mansion. And um, she gets a couple of small bits on like TV shows. They make this special documentary about Playboy called... um, an Americana or something? No, it was something in pajamas. Or I wrote it down. Give me one sec. Sorry, I got this right here. Is this the one? Where it was the... Playboy's Roller Disco Pajama Party. Yes. So it was just a documentary about the Playboy Mansion. But somehow, because she just had kind of a natural knack and an, mm-hmm. uh, something about her was really great on camera. Yeah, she was Inadvertently, magnetic. she kind of becomes the, folk, like the, fo- the focal point of the movie. Like they keep coming back to her and she just jumps off the screen. So right. as a result of that, all of a sudden, these like agents and stuff are coming to the Playboy Party Mansion, you know, the Playboy Mansion parties, yeah. that's what I meant, which was the who's who of Hollywood. Even right. though Hugh Hefner could never really be oh, yeah. a big deal in Hollywood, they were more than happy to come to his parties and yeah. hang out with his girls. And managers and agents started taking an interest in her, and they said that what was kind of cool is so once they, you would get her in the room... People couldn't resist her. So she yeah. started getting like bit roles in TV shows and movies. Right. Right off the bat. I know. It's so crazy. And at this point, he's, uh, Snyder's moved down. So right? once, like, yeah, once basically she gets the job at the Bunny Club and she's going to live in LA now, he yeah. comes down and convinces her that they should get married. And she's a little bit reticent, but also she's still young. She still thinks she's so grateful for him. Right. She even goes to Hugh Hefner and like, tells him her intention and he 
very kindly, gently, as he says, tries to dissuade her, but also says, if you want to do this, you obviously have my blessing, but calls him a pimp to her face. Right. (laughs) And really does not encourage it. But lo and behold, she is 18 years old and she's going to do what she wants. Yeah. And he's also really pressuring her. Right. I think that's really that's what it sounded like, like so much pressure. And she basically does it to get him off his back, off her back. Off her back. And then there are also... I'm just going to sneak this in here. Yeah. So there are also some people that suggest that the reason that she married Paul was to actually stop all of the really aggressive advances of Hugh Hefner. Oh, really? That he was really, really like putting the pressure on to her and like trying to sleep with her. And a lot of people say that's not true. Hugh Hefner, the whole thing with him was like, is always consensual. There's too many people willing to sleep with him for him to ever have to like force himself on someone. Whatever. I don't know if I believe that. I I don't um, believe that, but um, some people do say that she married Paul basically to give herself wow an excuse not See, to I have did to not sleep hear with that, him. But I, I, but I thought like you know Paul's just this monster. Was like you better fucking marry me. Well, and he he was you that know. too. So she marries him, and so still. Crazy. So I think that's June of 1979. So she's getting bit parts in movies, and then um, I'm pretty sure I don't remember the exact date or whatever, but she is told before they announce it to the world, that she is going to be the 1980 Playmate of the Year, which is like a big deal. You're going to go on this huge press tour. It's huge. You're going to be very visible, especially within that world. Your vagina, really. Everyone's going to know every interview. Actually, not your vagina, just your wispy locks down there. Because in the (laughs) 70s, it was all like whispering bush hair, just blowing in the wind. Oh, yeah. Just blowing in the wind. I did. One time, uh, my husband and I and his whole family and my family rented this like cabin in the. Cascades or somewhere I don't really know Anyways they had puzzles And one of them was a puzzle I swear to god It might have been her But it was basically like uh, Just the The hair down there Was so Just long And luscious And just Was it really aggravating Trying to put that puzzle together And like figure out The way that the pubic hair All <laughs> yeah, fit It was It was really funny Because I just trying to think Of like the little yeah. strands And you're being like eh, uh, I know yeah. it's all parted down here It was but... fun I mean honestly After that I'm like Oh I want all I want every Playboy puzzle There is but Yeah I didn't know They made Playboy puzzles I know Well I, I could never find any But you know, I'm sure I'm sure we could get one. Hey, any creepers out there? Let me know if you got one. <laughs> Playboy I'll buy puzzles. It. Send um, us a DM. <laughs> no, seriously. But as so as her star is definitely on the rise and Paul is now her husband. Right. So he is tolerated and led into right. these parties, but basically only with her. Right. And he is determined to become BFFs with Hugh Hefner. Ugh. He's always coming up to him with all these ideas. And the thing is, is that Paul did actually have occasionally some good ideas in fact something that's kind of a weird thing yeah. about him is so you know chippendales dancers ladies yeah. and men's you know the guy dan- that's the male versions of playboy bunny which yeah. i never actually really realized so the whole concept of the chippendale dancer was paul snyder's idea right it was going to be male strippers not not meant to be geared towards like other men not like the male physique for men who are interested in men but for women and they have the same cuffs right and like the same um little like thing around the neck (laughs) that the playboy bunnies wore all i can think of is like snl with uh yes patrick swayze and uh chris farley yes yeah like (laughs) awesome but anyway that entire concept that was paul snyder's and admittedly so other the people who ran with the idea so just because you have the idea 
doesn't mean right. Like you have he the could ability. never execute things. He couldn't get That's it done. What... He didn't want to do the work. Yeah. So he was very bitter when he took that idea to people and they ran with it and he kind of got left behind. Right. But that's Hollywood. That's showbiz. Um, but he was always really trying to get in good. And everybody there just yeah. tolerated him because they nobody loved Dorothy. But nobody liked him. And especially Hugh Hefner just thought he was such small time. Yeah. Like pimp was the nastiest word. And that's how he yeah. described him. And didn't he get like caught with another lady? He was thrown out of the Playboy Mansion. because of that? Mm-hmm. But if I was, I mean, if I was Dorothy, listen, I will never, I would never be in Dorothy's position because... If anyone came up to me trying to manipulate me in that way, I'd be like, oh, suck on these tits because <laughs> you know, it's not happening. Um, but it is scary to think just like being young and, you know, you, you're so, even if you aren't from a home where you've basically been raising your own siblings and haven't had too much parental guidance, guidance or anything, yeah. even with a solid family going out into the ether and being having spoken to about all of like somebody telling you what you want to hear. Right. You could be convinced to do things. All it's kinds really, of things. this is where I'm just so scared of what? having children. Why did I, I, why'd I do it? I don't know. <laughs> why does anybody? There's I don't a know. Reason. Honestly, There's I love them so much. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's good. It's good. I, but no, but I great. think you're right. And I think what's <laughs> also kind of important to mention within this context of, you know, her creepy husband slash manager who's clearly using her, sees her as his way to make tons oh, yeah. of money. Well, she, he took to all the of her money. All of it. And the whole goal is he wanted to be a big deal. And she didn't he, care she that didn't, he took her, all her money. No, she was just excited. This world was so yeah. glamorous and she was being treated so well and everybody loved her. And then you have to think about also the world that he brought her into, right? So he's already this creepy pimp guy who's like, let's yeah take nudie pictures of you for money yeah that works out i guess in the most positive way it possibly can i don't think that usually works out that way doesn't so usually next step is porn and then yeah so it works out in the most positive way that kind of a situation can work out yeah so then she is brought down and completely embraced by the the playboy community and hugh hefner and totally taken in but when you think about the world that that is for an inexperienced naive girl that is also going to be you know, a, yeah. a very, very like like difficult to navigate situation for someone who's naive, and yeah. I think she actually did kind of a brilliant job, right? Because you know, I I read that also. Paul taught her how to um, rebuff a man. Yeah, yeah. She really actually without she, letting him without losing interest in him. You know? Right. She how to like basically get a man not yeah. to back off, but without hurting his feelings right. or his ego. Right. But I, also during that time, w- there was a a thing with one of the plague the bunnies who was at the grotto and in those areas she's like right. that was back in the day before people cared about AIDS like we thought the worst thing you could get was uh, you, know, you could cure you it with could... penicillin yeah. or whatever she said I'm like that is crazy well no think about it this is like so the people are just age fucking with hats free off. love and yeah. those parties no matter what they wanted to say they were were 100% sex parties not everybody right. was doing it but that was always happening yeah. there and so this environment is also not necessarily like the best environment for you know, somebody who's young and naive to also be kind of someone who just got married too. And a newlywed. Like, but, you know, I feel like she actually navigated it pretty yeah. well. I mean, obviously she allowed Paul to take all of her money and become her husband and kind of yeah take a little bit of control. But as we said, she also started getting bit parts yes. in TV shows and movies. Yes. And then at one of these parties, the um, very famous director, Peter Bogdanovich... Did I say right, it right, you did. Bogdanovich. Yes, I had to practice um, that. And he directed The Last Picture Show, What's Up Doc, Paper Moon. So big time director. Yeah. He's at one of these parties. 
and he is getting he was ready. buddies with you yeah they're like really besties. good really really good friends and so he is going to be making this movie that i am looking for the name of oh it's called they all laughed they all laughed that's it sorry thank you so he's yeah. about to make this like romantic comedy called they all laughed and he is introduced to dorothy and he's just like she is the girl for yeah. my movie yeah. and it's kind of sweet because he's not talking about what she looks like i mean that's part of it but he's like that she's got the essence yeah and he believes that she could actually probably be a really good actress so he brings her into audition and he ends up casting her in this movie right so as she's getting more and more successful peter is feeling his grip because now she's surrounded by like other managers other agents lawyers all the playboy people right right, and he is getting kind of pushed further and uh, further paul Oh, oh, sorry. I said no. It's okay. But actually, go to go quickly back on Peter's background. He apparently had off of I think which movie it was, but maybe Paper Moon. Well, the one where Sybil Shepherd was in it. Right. He basically left his wife to be with Sybil Shepherd, who he's with for like nine years, and had just broken up with her a month before he met. Dorothy Stratton. Right. And there was a little bit of a, a likeness there, I guess, physically. Yeah. A little bit of a likeness. Like a beautiful blonde ingenue. Yeah. Yeah. And so people, you know, people talk. But I don't think that it wasn't, you know, the girls. I don't think he cast her or I can't Who knows, speak but to the girls thinking. next to next while they met were like there were sparks flying. Right. And not that, you know, not, not that it was like sexual, but there was, they were really they into each other. a really good chemistry yeah. and they were very interested in each other. So, yeah, so, so sorry, Paul. Oh my God. I'm, no, it's okay. They're both P names. They are. They're P's. Um, so Paul is starting to get increasingly kind of erratic, jealous, enraged because right. his wife is being kind of pulled further and further away from him and he's desperately trying to like hold on to her yeah. because this is his way to the top and he is going to be somebody. Right. God damn it. Like, if it isn't it at some point him. he thought he would maybe be an actor. Oh, yeah. He even took pictures of himself. Thinking, Absolutely. He was just going to be a big deal come hell yeah. or high water no matter how he did it. But he really saw Dorothy as like the fastest, best yeah. way to do it. And, and I mean, clearly none of his other past like investments had worked out like this one. Right. And she, she was everything that he had thought she could be. And then some, yeah. and so he was not going to let anybody take, that away from him but right. she is also now becoming kind of over it over now Paul. over Paul. yeah, yeah so now yeah. she's like get it she's got a taste of you know kind of being independent she's making good money yeah. she's making good choices she, her career is really like on oh, the right. uptick didn't Hugh help her find like a financial manager mm-hmm. i think he does that with anybody yeah you know he, he takes her. care of his the playboy family that's right know? so he helps her gets her like a financial um like a lawyer and someone to help yeah. with her finances to make sure that he can't puts all of her money into a trust. Right. So he gets an allowance. So Paul. So Paul's only getting an allowance. And, and he is just. lost his shit. freaking the fuck out. So. Control freak. Opportunist. Fuck. So basically. Um, she, Dorothy. Sorry. Brain freeze. Mm-hmm. Dorothy is now headed off to New York City. Right. To shoot. They all laughed. Yeah. And at this time. She and. Paul are kind of starting to become a little bit estranged. They are stories about how when she had her big like unveiling of being Miss 1980 Playmate of the Year, he's there. She asked that he not be there because it was just supposed to be like publicity and and photos and he's always trying to 
you know, he's embarrassing. Encroach and in. she finally realizes that. Yeah. So he comes, kind of like makes a big fuss outside and they come to her and they're like, what should we do? And she's like, I guess let him inside. And there's actually video footage of oh, her. That's so uncomfortable. And she's like, look, like signing autographs or whatever. And he comes up behind her and you can just see her body language. She's like, you know, moving her shoulder, like don't touch me, yeah. rolling her eyes, like ever so slightly. But you can tell she's just like, get the F out of here. Yeah. And um, that's kind of one of the last things that happens before she takes off to make this movie. Right. So Paul is now on only getting an allowance, feels like he's losing her, and right. he's right. He and is. barely has any money anyways because he buys expensive shit. Right, he's like, driving a Mercedes. Yeah. He's always looking at houses for them to buy, which she always finds something she doesn't like right. about it because she doesn't want to buy a house with him. Yeah. She doesn't really want to get her life anymore yeah. entangled with his. So he starts coming up with like other ways as he feels like he's losing her a little bit mm-hmm. to make money. Right. He finds a new young girl. Her name's Patty that oh, he's yeah. like going to groom to be the next. Right. She was working Dorothy at a grocery Stratton. store and she was underage. Same. Same exact thing. thing. He tried to groom her, got her photos taken, yeah. gave them to Hugh Hefner or gave them to Playboy. And they were like, yeah. nah, Not we're good. Um, also, uh, didn't she... Then she like move in as a roommate. Oh yeah, she becomes a roommate. So they have a, a like a two bedroom apartment in West LA. Right. That really um, Dorothy isn't using much. She's off right. making movies and doing stuff. Um, and so Patty actually moves into the apartment. Right. And it doesn't. Re- I mean, I'm assuming that he's having an affair with her. But I assume the same thing. I but mean, they don't really like ever. Ball. Yeah, they, they don't really. He's it. basically her pimp. Yeah, basically. And then there's yeah. a there's there's a not a whole apartment upstairs, but like a room in a living room upstairs, and there's a doctor living there. Yep, uh, their doctor. So they've got like two. We got a household roommates. Full which of people. guess what? We get it. It's LA. It's you gotta do it. It's expensive to live. Roommates there. are necessary sometimes. Yeah. But because he didn't have a job and he wasn't willing to do like a normal job. He yeah. was just like living off of her meager earnings or, you or know, the whatever, money that the she money would send she him. And like, wouldn't he, didn't he try to sell that? She got a bunch of shit like for gifts and things when she became the oh, yeah. year. Like she got like a gold tub. Right. And he was know? just always trying to sell, trying all, to sell stuff. all of her stuff. That she and then um, one of the other things that he did. So I guess he was a really, um, he was an expert craftsman. And so one of the ways he was trying to make money is he would build these exercise benches and he could sell them for $200, $200 pop, you know, so you could just get pumped. Yeah, let's get pumped pump this iron. But this is a quote. I'm going to cough. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me, everybody. This is a quote from a Teresa Carpenter article in the Village Voice that actually won a Pulitzer Prize. She won a freaking Pulitzer. And it is, um, we will share the link because it is worth reading. Yeah. It is really well written and it is definitely less meandering than the two of us. We're wonderful. But it you worked love great. Us. Yeah, of course. No, but she's, she's it's dead on. She so won this a is, Pulitzer. Yeah, she did win a Pulitzer. So this is her quote after talking about how he would sell exercise benches, which he sold for $200 a piece. And quote, now I'm on the quote part. Mm-hmm. On at least one occasion, he had subverted those skills to much more dubious ends by building a wooden bondage rack for his private pleasure. I'm just going to put that out there and we'll come back to it later. Right. But that's from a a really... A sex bench. So he was crafty. Yeah. Built exercise and sex benches. It's too bad he didn't have more uh, love in his life as a child because maybe he could have just been like a cool hipster who created handcrafted sex benches and really yeah, loved and it like and really it. made a good living. Yeah. And had a satisfying life. Yeah. But he didn't love himself. No, he didn't. And he certainly thought he loved Dorothy, but he, he didn't. tortured everybody He else. just loved the idea of what she could do for him. Yeah. Ugh, we don't I like know. Paul. So 
let's go to New York City. Right. She's filming. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One of the films that she did before she goes to New York is called um, Galaxina. And oh, my God. Okay, so I watched there's you can't really rent it or watch it, but there's a I will also put a link to this because it's incredible. Just the costumes and everything. It she plays this like robot-y type goddess type right like the most beautiful girl in the world who's also yeah, a robot like an alien type thing right and the her costumes are great so and she is beautiful and she's so beautiful yeah and it's like a bee kind and she of doesn't like, really need to act very much she's right. just like i will do whatever a man wants <laughs> i've created my body perfect for you except for in the movie i think if she, if she has sex with somebody she kills them because right. she's just too perfect anyways it's really really great I it's a bee and it was meant to be like a yeah. bee movie like it yeah. was it was tongue-in-cheek and but even when you see her against all the other tongue-in-cheek, all the other actors, you're like, yeah, the, those people are hacks. But, but she, she had something. Oh, she had totally had something. Yeah. They definitely No, no. They definitely say she had something. In fact, she goes to New York to film. They all laughed with Peter Bogdanovich. 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 <laughs> um, and he is just mesmerized by her. He says that yeah. one of the things that he couldn't get over because she was so inexperienced was her specificity not just an emotion that she would play but also in the way that she would like turn her head or move a piece of her costume with like really specific intention and she'd do it every time and she just had I mean really, that is something you have to be taught she'd kill her instincts and so yeah. he decides because he thinks she's really talented and then also spoiler alert they're falling in love and are having a secret affair right, right. that he wants to make her role not necessarily more lines but he's going to make her a larger presence in the film than right. it had been initially intended because right. he wants to showcase her talent and he thinks this is perfect I'm right. not going to rewrite the script but there's just going to be a little more of her in this movie than we had originally right. planned and this was like a legit movie I mean Audrey, oh, yeah. Audrey, Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn was in this movie and, and um, what's his name Ritter yeah John Ritter is John in the Ritter's movie in it. and um, it's got a big deal director attached to it. this is this yeah. is her first like this is her big break yeah it's a big deal and she also happens to be falling in love with the director at the time yeah. and so the two of them kind of start secretly having an affair mm -hmm. everybody who worked on the movie always says you know she was really polite always showed up on time was always prepared yeah. was very quiet and then even when she started having the affair with peter like nobody really nobody's really gossiping about it because they were really quiet about it right. they weren't hanging all over each other right. They weren't being inappropriate. It was really mm -hmm. just for the two of them. Yeah. And she loved him, or she was falling in love with him because he didn't see her beauty just. Like, he really... Thought she was talented. Yeah, and they talked, and they... Yeah. You know, she wrote poetry. We talked We talked a little bit about that. She also, um, growing up, she, you know, she was a straight-A student. Yeah, she was smart. a very smart person. So to be uh, sort of... I could imagine that. Like, if only uh, people only look at you... Everybody, not just your husband. Right, everybody. As a commodity or is that just like a face or somebody's a fantasy? Yeah. Like they, when they interview her, they talk about that. She's like, well, how do you, you know, the, one of the interviewers was like, well, how do you feel about these men, you know, uh, you know, loving or, you know, liking right. you or whatever. And she's like, well, I'm happy to be there for their fantasy or whatnot. But anyways, right. he's the first person who's kind of like interested in, in her mind as well and yeah. thinks she's really talented. And so word kind of gets back to Los Angeles that this affair is going on. Right. And basically, there I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to say basically. Sorry, guys. I, I, I will try not no, to say it anymore. No. It was the last episode that really put me over the edge. Um, <laughs> so 
as the shooting is going on, when Paul is calling, she's answering less, calling oh, back yeah. less. He says, I love you. When they hang up, she doesn't say it back. Yeah. And then eventually she's kind of starts screening her calls and basically stops taking yeah. his calls. And, and did and it again. Stops taking his calls. And um, he knows something's up. He yeah. knows he's losing her. Mm-hmm. And then word of their affair kind of starts to trickle back to L.A. Right. So he has now no money. Pretty sure his wife's going to leave him. Right. But he has one last money-making scheme because that was his thing right which is that before she left to make the movie he had convinced her to pose and for these posters she's wearing like a swimsuit and right. roller skates and they'd gotten some photographer fa- friends to make these take these photos right. and she was going to be a they, poster girl right they wanted it like farrah fawcett poster like yes. those jerk off posters made a lot of money back in the day absolutely and his goal was if they sold a million of them, which he thought would not be a problem because this is coming off of her being named right. 1980 Playmate. And then also she had just been on the Johnny Carson show and right. had really held her own against him, which yeah. I guess was hard already. And then when people don't have any expectation of you because you're just right. this like Playboy Playmate yeah. and you hold your own and you're smart and interesting. Did you watch it? I, I watched part of it. I Did you watch... when she made him stand up? Yeah. And That's she was so great. Yeah, she, she was, was and she... She, yeah. He's like, well, what do you, what do you, the first thing, what is the first thing you notice in a guy? What do you like about a guy? And she's like, well, I don't know. Stand up. <laughs> and he stands up and it's like kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And she like looks him up and down and she's like, a chest. The man's chest is my, the first thing I notice. A big chest. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. But you know, you could tell he gets a little uncomfortable. He's Johnny like, Carson gets, he's like, like oh my God, she's, yeah. she turned the tables on me. Amazing. She's, she is literally looking me up and down. Amazing. She's, amazing so he <laughs> has she's got that she just was on carson so now she's got an even broader appeal than just those who read playboy right. or, so you know paul snyder's being smart he is in being smart. some way being like okay we're gonna we're doing this if you're poster, gonna leave we're gonna make me some money. he's like this is it so his plan is that if they could sell a million copies of this which he does not think is going to be a problem the payday mm-hmm. for him would be something like three hundred thousand dollars right so he calls her and she's kind of now starting she had agreed to it Right. She had totally agreed to it. Now she's kind of like backing right. out and being but like, I'm gets, not sure. She gets final approval. She gets final That's approval. The rule so then the two um, photographer friends of theirs, whose names we wrote down as well, Vanya, were... Bill and Susan LaChase. LaChase. LaChasse. So after she kind of, after Dorothy kind of like starts to back off and re- like kind of seem like she's not going to do it, right. he convinces these two photographer friends, um, Bill and Susan, to fly to New York. Right. And they go, they figure out that she is actually staying at the plaza, not at the hotel that she had been staying at because she's staying with Bogdanovich now. They knock on the suite door. She opens it. She's in pajamas. And she is horrified. She's she's like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? And they say, we came because we just wanted to give you one more chance to look these over and make sure you don't want to do this because... We think these are really great photos. Yeah. And they say she steps in the hallway. She's looking at them. You can tell by the look on her face that she likes what she sees. Yeah. She says, give me a second. I have to, I need to show these to some people. And they kind of hear talking and the sounds of a discussion. And she comes out and she says, you know, I've just decided that I, I just can't get final approval for these. I, I don't, I don't like them. And no, you don't have my permission to use these, oh. which basically was Peter, I think trying to, again, manage her Paul 
no, sorry, Peter Bogdanovich oh. telling her to say no. Oh. And by, you know, all these men are constantly just trying to manage her career yeah. and the trajectory and who she should be and what she should be. And I think and she that, was giving it. She was giving them the power. She was yeah. not taking the power. Right. Because I don't think she really she didn't really know any no. better. But she clearly liked the photos, but then opted not to do it oh, because I believe yeah. I believe Peter told her not to. That's what I I mean, I'm sure kind Listen, of if you piece together. I mean, I'd probably be like, don't do it. Fuck that guy. Like, you're trying to divorce right. him. No. Like, why are you trying to help him out? But yeah. see, she always wanted to help Paul out because she felt like she owed him everything. Right. So that was when Paul kind of started to fall apart. Right. The cracks started showing. For sure. He, he knew his marriage was going to, his marriage was ending. His last shot at any money was donezo. Right. And he starts kind of going nuts. He hires a private investigator to follow her around because he's thinking at the very least, we can, if we can prove she's having an affair, then in the divorce, oh, maybe yeah. I can get you know right. half of her money because she broke blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Even still, he was trying to make get a contract together that she would, for the rest of their life, he, she, he would get 50% of what she made. Of everything she like, made. Like, how does that even fucking work? Like, what the fuck, dude? I don't know, but I watched a marriage story and I do now know from that that divorce is fucked up. <laughs> well, I didn't watch it yet, but I do. I always joked. I mean, yes, we're I'm married and it's great. But I, I'm always like, you know, I don't get why people are so into like so rushing in to get married because it's it is a financial contract. Like right. it's not about love. Marriage is not about love. It's about a fi- I mean, it is about love. But you know what I mean? But like the I papers what, you sign. Right. Are are not, all, those are contracts. Those yeah. Are contracts. Those are not like love notes. Yeah. Those no. are contracts. But. I mean, I'm, I know why I'm we totally do it. I'm totally digressing. Just, yeah. but what the, the marriage story taught me was yeah. that even when two people have the best of intentions in terms of an amicable mm-hmm. divorce that they'd rather handle themselves, but there are just a few complicated things that they require lawyers, and then the lawyers come in, and Ew. it's just ugly. It's oh. just ugly. Do the lawyers make it the, ugly? The lawyers make it ugly. Yeah. And not that the clients, I mean, you don't have to use lawyers. You right. don't have to. But, you know, every once in a while, some aspect of it, usually I'm assuming children or crazy amounts right. of money right. require a lawyer to help you like navigate the, whatever right. I digress and it's nothing to do what we're talking oh, I about. Love it. No, but, I think it, I mean, sure. But sure I do know that, you know, getting a divorce can be an ugly thing, especially in LA. Yeah. <laughs> That's Great. what I learned from that. Movie. Can't wait. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> right. No, I mean, you should watch it. It's really good. I liked it a lot. Um, but yeah, so he was, he was, he got a PI to go follow her around follow her in around. hopes that he could, catch her in the act mm, mm-hmm. and um he also has borrowed a friend's gun and oh. keeps talking about like he's gonna he's gonna do something he's gonna either commit suicide in front of peter bogdanovich's house and oh. all this stuff he doesn't actually ever come through with it and then eventually his friend is getting ready to move away and he's like you have to give me the gun yeah. back and he's like but oh isn't <laughs> before that like doesn't she write him a letter before Saying like you got you need to let me free you know something about right that. so like, wh- while she is in New York still I believe she or sends she's them, doing she takes a break from filming to go promo for the for, for the she playmate goes to Canada thing. you're yeah. right you're right she goes on a big tour yeah. for her playmate thing and she writes in Canada. basically a dear John letter yeah. she's in yes. Canada yeah and she's so she says I'd like to get separated if you you know like that old saying you know let a bird fly free yeah, and if, it's, it. if it really loves you it'll come back to you yeah. if it was yours it'll come back to you so she basically says something along those yeah. lines and then mr asshole can't take a hint husband her mom is getting remarried right and so she's going to stay in canada a little bit longer to attend her mom's wedding and paul shows up 
Right. Insists on staying in the same hotel room as her. Uh. Anyway, they get into a huge fight and she just says, like, I just want I don't want to be married anymore. I yeah. want to I want to separate. And does she admit at this point that she's in love with Peter? I don't think at this oh, point yet. yet. She okay. hasn't admitted it. But so she but she basically he calls it a dear John letter. So right. he's, what's the dear? I had to look that up. I knew that means like you're giving someone the you're breaking up with somebody. Yeah, it's right? a dear John. Go oh. away forever. Oh, OK. Love. Dorothy. That's like <laughs> I love I love those old timey, uh, you know, sayings. I, I yeah. honestly had to look it up. I was no, like, I mean, dear hey. John letter. But that's what he describes. Clearly, I've never had one. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I was a child bride. (laughs) Anyway, so things end badly in terms of they're it's not good. They're fighting. They're screaming. Um, I guess because she, you know, she doesn't. She is. I hate. I don't want to. I feel like it sounds like I'm talking bad about her. She backs off and is basically like, okay, well, she's she's terrorized and bullied by his jealous craziness. So she says, okay, okay, just let's take some time to think about it. I'm not divorcing you. I just feel like I need some space. Yeah, goes back to New York to resume filming the movie, and then immediately resumes her affair with. Peter right and that's when they really cement that like they, they're in love yeah she's gonna divorce me. Paul and they're gonna get married so they finish the movie and then they decide to go on a holiday over to I believe London oh nice so as all of this is happening back in LA Paul Snyder is going batshit crazy right like just freaking out right and is threatening you know to kill to, like I said before kill himself he's gonna ruin Bogdanovich's career yeah. you know he's gonna get all of her money for the rest of her life so they when they come back from their holiday she kind of quietly like moves into Peter's Bel Air mansion yeah. which is a kind of a cruel twist of fate for Paul because he always talked about when they were living in their teeny apartment that one day they were gonna live in one of those fancy mansions in Bel Air and now here she is moving right. into one of those and she finally, it's been three months since they've spoken. So three mm. months since the whole wedding debacle in Canada where right. he like forced her to stay in the same hotel with him and told her that she couldn't leave him. And he can't get a hold of her, can't get a hold of her. And then out of the blue one day, she calls him. And she says, I want this to be amicable. Or I want to have lunch. Sorry, let's have lunch. I want to talk to you about everything. And they, his friends and their like mutual friends say he was over the moon giddy. He right. thought, this isn't it. As soon as I can just get her in my hands again, I will get her back. Because right. that's how much control I have over this right. woman. Right, like he dressed up really nice. He was convinced this was going to be a reconciliation lunch. Yeah. So they meet for lunch. And over lunch, she basically says, I want a divorce. Right. And I, I read that she he was very displeased that she didn't really even do her hair mm-hmm. like she didn't get right get all right he bought him. her champagne bought, bought her flowers and got all dressed up she refused the champagne refused the flowers and i'm pretty sure he said and i quote and she didn't even look like she tried to look nice right Dick. he was a special kind of person yeah so she tells him she wants to get a divorce yeah. and it does not go well he screams, he yells, they both cry, but she sticks to her guns yeah. and she leaves the house and she is going to get a divorce. Yeah. By the way, they got married in Vegas with no one knowing, basically. Right. And then the they Silver had Silver Bell keep, Chapels in Las right? Vegas. And then they had to keep her, their marriage a secret from the public as right. part of her contract for being a Playboy playmate right. because they don't want them to be like publicly married. Right. Anyways. So 
it's all very, very con- like contempt. It's, it's what's the word when it's really bad? Contentious. Con- contentious. Contentious. I was like tempestuous. I was <laughs> contentious. Tempestuous, yeah. And he's. I believe this lunch. I mind. believe this lunch was on August eighth of nineteen eighty. Okay. And in the immediate aftermath of this lunch, the one thing that people say became his all-consuming goal was to get himself a gun. Right. He asks the uh, private investigator, Mr. Goldstein, to help procure a gun for him. He talks him out of it. He tries to buy a gun. He can't because he's Canadian. He doesn't have a, a U.S. He's not a U.S. citizen. Right. Then he finds an ad in a classified for right. one and drives around, can't find the address, so he has to go back home. But finally, the guy from the newspaper ad agrees to like meet him in a neutral area and he purchases a 12 gauge shotgun that he's telling everybody he needs for protection protection. And then he also starts like bringing up weird stories to everyone around him when he's talking to people, you know, about what he's going to do here and there. And he's, you know, he's being weirdly up and then weirdly down obsessed with getting a gun and keeps talking about former playboy playmates who had died and like how much it had, royally fucked the playboy magazine because they would always have to pull their pictures right he was talking about another um either actress or playmate who had died while making a movie and how it totally ruined the film's release and he's just talking about all of this stuff huh. and um there are so many red flags right so and many red um flags. we're gonna actually are we gonna leave the conclusion for our part yes, two we are we're going to do something we've never done before, you right. guys, because it's 2020. Yeah. This we're is, doing a two-parter. That's right. So this will be... We're going to stop there. Yeah. He's bought a 12-gauge shotgun, and he is weirdly interested in the history of all the playmates that have died. That's right. In and the height of their career. she's starting a new life with Peter Bogdanovich. Yes. And she finally found some love in someone who's actually like likes her for her and not right. her as as a commodity and to sell right. her who really sees her as a whole human being. Right. So guys, you have to tune in next week. We right. tricked you. I know. I'm so <laughs> sorry, but you know what? We knew this one was going to be a long one. Cause there's a lot of stuff. And I was like, let's just see. Let's do the two. Let's do it. You know, I enjoy listening to them. So I hope you do too. Yeah, we do. If you, if you like this, you know, please rate review, subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Follow yeah. us on uh, Instagram or Twitter yeah, or Facebook. Yeah. We also would love, again, any feedback. If we've completely messed up a detail here, yeah, please by let the way, us know. Uh, because we, we did can... get some good feedback on Boxing Day. Yes. It is actually, let me just retro for the... Yeah, fix it up. So Boxing Day is actually the day where it's you typically give um, presents to service people. Okay. So like servers, you know... I don't know. Or like employees. You employees, give your employees yeah. and then it's also the day they box up all of the gifts. I don't know. With something else that I read. Oh, so yeah. it's like typically the day that I think employers gave their employees yeah. a gift. That's what I was, I was, uh, somebody right. responded, DM'd us. And, and thank I you for that. that. Yes. God thank bless. you for your response and your correction because we don't want to be inaccurate if you we don't have to be. And if we are, just let uh, us know. Especially open. with this one because we're coming back with part two. Yeah. So exactly. if we get anything wrong, let us know. Oh, you guys, I cannot wait. We'll see you next week. Yes. Happy New Year, everybody. That's right. Happy New Year. Bye. Oh